now I'm trying not to laugh. It's okay to laugh. Well, when I say laugh, I mean giggle uncontrollably like my seven-year-old daughter. Welcome to Unimed's Innovation Overground, where we dig into some of those amazing uh, discoveries that we often hear about, but never actually seem to touch our lives, and, and at least uh, and as far as we are, are aware. Um, we're here to find out what it takes to make those academic discoveries and actual things. Um, my name is Charlie Litton. I'm here with Joe Rungi. Say hi, Joe. Hi, Charlie. Joe is a lawyer type at uh, Unimed's office. Say hi to Tyler. Hi, Tyler. Hi, Charlie. Tyler sure is a PhD, works in our office in the licensing department. And so we do let him out of his cage today to join us. We're sponsored today by <laughs> Unimed, the Tech Transfer and Commercialization Office with the University of Nebraska uh, Medical Center. Did you want to say something else, Joe? Uh, please rate us and oh. uh, subscribe. I always wanted to say that one. Okay. So. Well, you've done it. I, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Big, big star sticker for Joe today. Um, so, yeah, please join us and rate us and uh, subscribe. Uh, all that said, I think it's about time we went over something we talked about a little bit last time, which was this idea, you know, you hear, some, you see something really cool and you think, why hasn't anyone done that before? And one of the things that we saw, I remember I was making a video with you, Tyler, and it was uh, Dr. Donnie Saw, spelled S-U-H, but pronounced Saw, and this really cool, uh, he calls it the precision syringe. And what it does is it, that plunger, you know, where usually you put your thumb and you push down, he put he figured out a way so that you can just push down with your index finger so you hold it like a pencil right and then you can just push down and he's doing it to inject eyes right that's right yeah and uh, we let we put that thing that device in the hands of a was it a, a resident ophthalmologist? An ophthalmology resident. Okay. Yeah, he just became a resident. And so he was playing around with it on a simulated patient, a, uh, basically a mannequin. Mannequin, yep. And uh, he kind of steps back, and he's kind of looking at this thing for, God, it was an uncomfortable, like, 10, min or 10 seconds. And he's like, why hasn't anyone invented this before? Yeah. And why hasn't? I mean, that's a really good question, really, right? That I is mean, a great question. That so was also why, why why didn't why hasn't anyone invented that before? Yeah, that was a great moment captured yeah. as well. That was authentic. Um, available at Unimed.com. <laughs> yes. <laughs> On our YouTube channel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which can also be subscribed to. <laughs> subscribe to everything. Uh, subscribe to all things Unimed. Thank you. That's it. We're uh, done for the day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So why hasn't anyone thought of that before, invented that before? It's a great question. Um, so, yeah, so uh, we oftentimes think of invention, again, as being kind of a huge step forward. But Dr. Saw, in particular, and a lot of clinicians are, are like this, uh, he's, he's constantly thinking about ways to just make little incremental improvements on his devices that could really make all the difference in his procedures. So in this instance, he's, he's, he has to inject sometimes into pediatric patients, into children, into either their eyeballs or into the muscles around the eye. So you're talking about a kid, like, how old are we talking about? Sometimes infants, even. So we're talking months so to do, a few years. So does like a, does like a two-year-old toddler respond as well to the idea of a needle going into the eye as well as I would expect they would? Yeah, so I don't think anyone responds <laughs> okay. great, yeah. but a, a child definitely panics. Um, uh, yeah. So it's a, a very uncomfortable. Oftentimes, um, children that young as well, they'll have to um, anesthetize, anesthetize and somehow restrain 
um, as well. Uh, but so, yeah, I remember him talking about this. Now he needs to be pretty quick and precise. Yes. And when you got a struggling patient, he, yes. that's you know he needs to get that. He's. I remember Joe. I think the way you described it was, it'd be great if a doctor could grow a third arm out of their chest. Failing that, the syringe kind of comes in and gives the doctor basically another arm. Yeah. Well, sorry. Go ahead, Joe. Well, yeah. just one thing that comes up is is how team oriented most medical care really is. Yeah. And so, you know, if Donnie were here, what what he would likely say is that when you don't have a person interested in syringe, you need a nurse who's done it before because you know they're going to either kind of assist or or actually depress the plunger or, or whatever. And so, having that third hand is always uh, another risk. Right, it's another thing that can go wrong, and right. simplifying medicine sometimes is what those little innovations do. That's exactly right, Joe. That's another variable out of the physician's control. So these are one-handed injections. His other hand is being used to stabilize the injection site to hold the eye still or the muscle very still, so that he can then perform a one-handed injection. Right. Um, so then, why has this been done before? I mean, it sounds like it've been really handy five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago, right? Yeah, and in talking with Dr. Saw, he's he has a number of similar inventions, just, uh, instruments to help with his ophthalmology procedures. Um, one in particular, a muscle hook, took him five to ten years of just a lot of legwork in development, um, a lot of work in in prototyping. He had to prototype in his in his garage essentially, and then in, in order to actually convince someone to a manufacturer to make a metal instrument that he could use. Um, took just a lot of, of of pushing and prodding to do. Um, so he so it, with with this um, innovation, with this idea, he he knew that which he had, the the hook or the... with with the syringe. Oh, sorry, the with with this precision syringe, he knew that um, he he didn't want to he didn't want to be in for another ten year struggle right. here. So he knew. So why did it take so long? Why ten years to do this little hook? Yeah, so he didn't have so access. The hook, can to, you describe the hook? Does it look like like a crochet hook or something? What so, is, so it's so no, this is going to look like a so it's a it's a long um, sort of forceps um, looking device. Maybe half a forceps actually would be about the best way to describe it. <laughs> okay, so, wait, what's a forceps look like? <laughs> yeah, so this is a so a forceps would be a, a, a nice metal instrument um, that has that allows you to to a pick up and grab or grip. There we go. Ah. Yep, a medical tweezers. That's actually the best way to describe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so half a tweezers. So the hook hook. is essentially just half the tweezers. Yeah, so it's just one arm, and then at a 90-degree angle, it hooks out. And so that allows you – that allows the the surgeon actually to to be able to to hook – uses that to actually hook and grip a muscle. To, uh, to isolate a muscle away. And you're from talking the about a muscle in the eye, right? Yeah. So you're going to have to so dig in there, like under the eyelid or something. Or? Yeah. Yes, under the eyelids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> isolate that away from the eye. I'm sorry. I got to. I got to apologize to who are our listeners? Floyd oh. and Beatrice. Yes. Beatrice. Yeah, Fred and Bonnie. Yes. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry, Tyler. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. So so he it took him so long because he, I mean he had to he had to he had to stitch together or create a prototype um, just by hand, basically. He didn't have any sort of magical device to help him with this. Um, and with the precision syringe, uh, he, he would, so he, he somehow came across um, this 3D printing makerspace in the library, actually. In, in, at UNMC. In, yep, in, in the, the medical library at UNMC. Um, and he got the idea that maybe 3D printing could help. He didn't really know much about it. He was hoping this would maybe help speed up. The, he had an intuition this could help speed up the the um, process of, of trying to develop this. 
Uh, and so that's actually how I, I got involved in this project too, as, as still as a PhD student working, uh, well, volunteering in, in the makerspace in the library. Um, he came to us um, with basically a concept for a, a syringe plunger, mm -hmm. um, and but didn't know exactly if it would work, so wanted some sort of prototype. Um, and we were able to, to 3D print uh, prototype uh, and show him the next day. And after that, he was he was hooked on on 3D printing at that point. So okay, so now going back to the hook thing, I'm sorry. Did you did you say that that the the reason for the 10 years, the reason why it took so long? Yeah, so a, a big reason was just not having access to manufacturing and um, molding or any sort of other um, development machinery or tools. So how many iterations did that did that device go through? Oh, boy. Um, I, you know, I don't know. But if, if it's as many as his other projects I've been a part of, that would be at least a dozen to two dozen iterations. Okay, Joe, you're more familiar with that part of it. Were you, were you involved with the hook? I was not. The hook oh, was, uh, okay. was part of this. But we worked uh, in, in the same time period okay. doing medical device prototyping. And, you know, the thing that's been difficult is you have doctors who want it just so, right, because the <laughs> the requirements in order to safely inject someone in their eyeball are, are pretty tight, right? Yeah. That's got to be just right. Yep. And it's hard to make something just right if you can't make anything. You know, Donnie Saw is not – making plastic injection molds in his garage, you know. Well, let's talk about how complicated that is. I mean, I mean seriously, for the for the for the syringe, you said it went through 10 or 12 different versions before we got to one that's kind of close to a working prototype. Yeah, at least. Yeah. Is that even possible with something like the hook that he's describing with injection so, molding and all you that? Know, 10 years ago, it would have been a lot more difficult, you know, because your ability to do rapid prototyping was limited. You had these little sort of plastic milling machines and and they were cool, but you couldn't make something as small as, I mean, this syringe is teeny tiny. You know, it's a, what, a one mil syringe? Yeah, one mil syringe. For people who have... Uh, so know, we're talking about something about the diameter of, say, a pencil, maybe? Or yeah, it's, yeah, it's, but it's a pencil, a little larger. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, you know, the, what Tyler's 3D printing is the, the plunger, which is really like a lollipop stick, right? Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and so, you know, not just any 3D printer will do. I mean, he, he uses a pretty high-quality 3D printer for the final ones that are testing. And... It's not even the difficulty in manufacturing. It's the ability to just iterate and iterate and iterate. And, and that is what has been so cool about this project. If I make this part maybe more triangular shaped or right. this part a little more oval-ish. Because like, there's like, like a certain psychology to it too, right? Which is like, you know, I remember getting that prototype that wasn't quite right, but dang it, it had taken a long time to get that prototype, so <laughs> yeah. we're going to make do, right? Yeah. And, and you would get doctors censoring themselves. Like, well, that's pretty good. <laughs> when in reality, it needs to be perfect. You sure. Know? And, and so now – Perfect is far more obtainable, and and it's you know we would do rapid prototyping at the one place we can do it on you know Lincoln's campus, which means it took a month. You know now, you know there's a 3D printer what four doors down from Donnie or two floors up from him. I don't know exactly. It's where. in the same building. It's now. in the same yeah, building. Yeah. yeah, and and you know Donnie can just drop in and say, oh that's not right, and it's not a big deal. I mean it's you know not the best news, but it's it's an hour's work as opposed to a week. Yeah. So how much is, is the, you know, I mean, you could factor, I don't know. Um, I just asked the question. How, how expensive is it to just to design, say, a new plunger and just print it off? Yeah, so that, to print it, that's a good point, too. It's a huge cost savings. Yeah. So 3D printing on the cheapest uh, printers, you're talking pennies in, in plastic uh, material. So it's 
It's it's ballpark it's it for me. How much would it cost for it to negligible? Print? A, a quarter, I guess, for a plunger. I'll say a quarter. One quarter dollar. And and the uh, printer Peso? only only or? costs maybe five hundred dollars for the printer itself. So oh my gosh. So you're saving a lot of money. Now when you when you scale up and you want to get a little more high quality prototype, then you're maybe spending a dollar or five dollars on material. Whoa. But, but the, that's still the, but it's still significantly cheaper than if yeah. you had to if you had to if you had to make a mold. The expensive part, though, is having someone who can build a 3D model. And, you know, I think mm. it's oh, I see. these things don't just happen. You need someone who understands, you know, some basics of the software. And, and even for something that's relatively simple, like the plunger, you ended up coming with, you know, building one that doesn't break immediately ended up being more of a challenge than we thought. And having to make modifications and, and all that is there. So, you know, I think that there is um, – uh, uh, it's not free. Right, I mean, you, you don't get a 3D printer and all your problems are solved. It's more a function of you um, you have a 3D printer, you have the right uh, person who understands what they want. You pair them with someone like Tyler and, and his kind of community of people who understand how to make 3D models. And then you figure out some way you can test it. For the syringe, it was a combination of doing those initial mannequin tests. It was also just showing it to other op- op- Ophthalmologists, Thank you. Um, eye doctors, EN, ENT, eye doctor. yeah, we went doctors, uh, nurses. What, do the eye. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just saying that, hey, is this something you'd want? And often you'd get the same response. Why hasn't someone thought of this before? Yeah. Yeah. So where? So what else can we do with 3D? I mean, 3D printing, I don't know. I think people throw it out there as like this wonderful catch-all. Hey, we're going to print a new liver, you know. But sure. it seems like this application, this, this way to incrementally improve a design seems to be the more practical use of printing. Am I, am I wrong? No, no, you're not wrong. And uh, it's definitely more supported by our current, our current technology. So this is, it's readily available. If you, if you have an idea of something that, especially if it's okay, if it's made out of plastic, now you can pick various hardnesses or stiffnesses of plastic, but as long as you're okay with it being made out of plastic, um, at least a prototype, you can get that printed um, same day. For, for relatively cheap. You can go to a, a local library and do it. You can go to a local college and do it. You could get a printer um, online and do it in your basement or your garage. So this is all, and, and yeah, and the big benefit is being able to make little changes. So I, oftentimes it's hard to, it's really hard for me personally to conceptualize things in three dimensions. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes, I'll, oftentimes I'll have an idea and it's, uh, you think it might work, you think the pieces fit together, but you really don't know until you actually you actually are holding it, and you actually try to fit them together. So, that's that's the real benefit is being able to print cheaply, quickly, um, and actually fit them together in proof of concept that so something actually works. Before you started, I don't know when when did you start getting into three D printing? Was that before you came here? Yeah, because yeah. I mean, because Joe alluded to you know you need someone who can work or can navigate the the software that goes with it. Um, kind of, I think it's commonly so called uh, CAD design, sure. computer assisted yeah. uh, design. I think is what yeah, it stands yep. for. Um, and I remember getting a CAD program five or six years ago, and I and I opened it up thinking I'm going to do CAD design, and I and I opened it up, and this is really imposing blank page staring back at me from the screen and I turned the computer off and I just walked away and I cried in the corner for a little bit and vowed to <laughs> never try it again but obviously you figured it out right how, how difficult was it to to is, is the software different now it can be is pretty intimidating so oh. well so I mean there's there's varying degrees of software I guess there's open source software that's fairly limited but isn't nearly as intimidating it's pretty easy to use and you could really pick that up within 
an hour or two, honestly, of playing around and watching a few YouTube videos. There's, oh, there's YouTube okay. videos for all this stuff now, which is awesome, which makes it so much And easier. there's also a YouTube video for the saw, Precision Syringe. There, <laughs> there is. If, just, in if, just in case you hadn't heard, <laughs> you can go check that out. Hey, so, Tyler, uh, with the development we've been able to do, do <laughs> we done? Um, <laughs> what are we, uh, what's the next step? Like, what, what is the plan right now for the, the saw syringe? And, and how is 3D printing part of that? Yeah, good question. So, yeah, so we're at a stage now where we have a functional prototype. We've been able to uh, take it around. Dr. Saw's taken it to conferences. He's been able to share it with his colleagues, at, you know, across the U.S. and even at international conferences. Um, we're we're mailing out prototypes to get feedback from from his colleagues um, as well. And uh, and then we're also because we've had we have this prototype now. Uh, we we've we've been able to share it with a third party medical device manufacturer. Um, so they've been able to quote us. Uh, what it would cost to really push this project on through to get to get an actual functional prototype with mm-hmm. regulatory approval for patient use. Um, and so, what's the what's the timeline on it? So, you said that first the hook was ten years. How many? Yeah. Where are we now in the timeline for the syringe? Yeah, we're we're about a year in, a little over a year in, a year to year and a half in. Um, yeah, we have wow. we have uh, we're on pace for it, our our. Um, Intellectual so property position, can, and can we say we've condensed the process from ten to one year? Mm, well, ten to two, I, yeah, two. <laughs> yeah, ten to two. I'd say, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. bad, yeah, not bad. Okay, well, on that note, I think it's time we come to ground on this. <laughs> okay, um, if you enjoyed this, please tell your friends, rate us, subscribe. Um, for Tyler Scher and Joe Rungi, I'm Charlie Litton saying thank you for joining us on Unimed's Innovation Overground. <laughs>